0: This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast is creating the conditions for early literacy learning. And we're going to focus on writing and writing instructions. Which types of environments enable young children to develop their full writing potential? Well, there are three things. First thing, there's lots of talk in these effective literacy learning environments. Good literacy learning has lots of talk. Here, adults are having conversations with children. This is different from talking to children. Conversations with children involve pauses for listening and responding, just like real conversations. As a matter of fact, they are real conversations. These conversations are used to direct conceptual learning and vocabulary. In other words, conversations are used in these effective literacy learning environments to explain and to describe the world that surrounds children. They're both planned and incidental. And as students are engaged in conversation with adults, as these children are engaged in conversations with adults, the words, the language patterns, the ways of thinking, and the specific cognitive operations involved eventually become internalized. In a good literacy learning environment, students are also having conversations with other students. Like the conversations with adults, these are both planned and incidental. The planned conversations can be between pairs or small groups. Something as simple as, turn to your neighbor and share an idea. Or, in your small group, see if you can identify. Now, in these conversations... Children are communicating their ideas. They're getting direct verbal and nonverbal responses from other students to their ideas. They're revising their thinking. They're hearing new ideas and words, and they're revising or reifying their thinking. The incidental conversation that occurs between children happens naturally as you leave spaces in the classroom. At all grade levels, In all subject areas, learning of any kind is enhanced when teachers leave spaces for conversations to occur. Social interaction enhances learning. Instead of just listening to a teacher blabber on and on and on, when students are able to talk to other students about the ideas they've just heard, They're able to process information more deeply and get insights from other students and engage more parts of the brain. Talking enhances learning. Also, conversation can be used to enable students to pause and process new input that the teacher has just given them. And finally, the big picture. Human beings looking at each other communicating, sharing ideas, and describing experiences with each other is always a good thing. Now, when conversation gets a bit off track, there's a natural tendency for teachers to close the conversation and get children back on track. But in the larger picture of things, off the track is on track. Human beings who are enjoying each other's company and sharing the commonalities of the human experience is perhaps of greater benefit than your silly little lesson with the cute little behavioral objective on top. The second thing that occurs in a good literacy learning environment is lots of reading. This includes teachers reading books aloud in their classroom, Reading a book that students enjoy is one of the best ways to help them fall in love with books. As well, during teacher read-alouds, students encounter new language structures, vocabulary, and concepts. And like the conversations I just talked about, these encounters become internalized over time, enhancing both their verbal and written communication. Teacher read aloud should occur at all levels to some degree. As well, in an effective literacy learning environment, there should be daily selected, self-selected reading, providing time every day for students to practice reading, improves both reading and writing. This means, of course, that there are lots of good books available, both narrative and expository texts at a variety of reading levels. Thus, in addition to a good school library, all classrooms should have many libraries with lots of books and other reading materials available. And, of course, in a good literacy learning environment, students are writing every day for a variety of purposes. This could include any kind of writing done in the real world, such as letters and lists and emails and journal entries and text messages. Creating meaning with print, expressing ideas, looking at the impact of word choice and sentence structure are all important in developing writers, no matter what form the writing takes. For young children and struggling writers, this could include a variety of shared writing experiences where students provide ideas as the teacher writes and sounds out words. So let's now turn to systematic, direct, and explicit instruction. Yes, absolutely there should be direct instruction of writing skills. This would be grammar and punctuation. And this should be taught in a systematic way in every classroom. Now it's not the what of direct instruction, rather it's the how and the how much of direct instruction that's in question here. So let's address the how much of direct instruction first. Now, Eric Jensen, the brain guy, has recommendations for the duration of direct instruction episodes. He shows that students can effectively attend to input for only a certain amount of time. Students in K2, five to eight minutes a time. That's the appropriate amount of direct instruction or the appropriate duration. Grades 3 to 5, it should be 8 to 12 minutes. 6 to 8, 12 to 15, 9 to 12, 12 to 15, and adults 15 to 18 minutes. Oh my gosh. Let's go back to that K2, 5 to 8. Grades 3, 5, 8 to 12. Outside of this, their ability to attend becomes increasingly more difficult and learning is reduced significantly. They can only effectively attend to input for short amounts of time. Now, this doesn't mean that your skill's lesson should only be 5 to 8 minutes or 8 to 12 minutes in duration. Instead, it suggests that direct instruction within the lesson should be brief and briskly paced, followed by time to pause and process or some other strategy to get students actively involved. Good teaching is this. Say a little bit, do a little bit. The point is this. The human brain learns best when instruction is provided in smaller bits, followed by a chance to think about or do something with that new instructional input. Pouring large blobs of blabber over the heads of students is not effective teaching at any level. Pouring large blobs of blabber over students' head does not mean that more learning is going to occur. The quality of teaching is not determined solely by what you say. Rather, it's in how much students learn. Now, everybody agrees that there should be systematic instruction of certain writing subskills, all well and good. However, some have interpreted this to mean that you start at one end of a scope and sequence chart and make your way down the list in a predetermined order. This reflects a Humpty Dumpty approach. And this, of course, is silly because students are ready for different skills at different times. Now, I did a little online Googling as I want to do, looking for different standards and curriculums that schools have adopted, and I found one. And they have some standards for second grade, all laid out first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. And the first quarter says things like uh, student will write story, generate ideas, etc., etc. Okay, now here's the thing. When standards are laid out by quarters like this, they become the curriculum. Instead of saying this is what students should generally learn, they become their curriculum. And instead of teaching writing or creating the conditions for writing to develop develop using the five-step writing process, teachers teach a series of meaningless writing sub And what good is it to master all these sub if, at the end of the day, students still are not able to write? And that's the big point here. Acquiring all these writing sub this grammar and punctuation and other stuff, while admirable is different from writing. Expressing meaning with print is much different from subskill acquisition. Instead, we need to get students writing for real purposes, then use mini-lessons to teach these skills during the year as students are ready for them. Systematic instruction does not mean going through a prescribed list of skills in a predetermined order. Rather, it means there's some system in place for documenting when skills are taught and when skills have been mastered. Yes, you can teach all these usage and mechanic things, but again, what good is it? if they know how to use singular and plural nouns and pronouns, if they still can't write. And that's the purpose. We're teaching students how to write. This has been the Writing Instruction Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.